Hi, this is Ellie Kushner from Dance Well Podcast, and today I'm with Heidi Skolnick, a nutritionist who's going to talk about media literacy in her field. Considered a thought leader in nutrition, Heidi has influenced millions through her media work, writing, and thriving consulting business. Heidi has been part of the Women's Sports Medicine Center at HSS for over 20 years. Her company, Nutrition Conditioning, oversees the Performance Nutrition Program at the Juilliard School and at the School of American Ballet, and she has consulted with numerous Broadway shows, as well as with many professional sports teams. Heidi sits on the board of the National Osteoporosis Foundation and has authored three books. Heidi has earned two master's degrees, one in um, exercise physiology and one in human nutrition, and is a fellow with the American College of Sports Medicine. As a realist, Heidi believes that M&Ms can fit into a healthy diet along with red peppers, red meat, broccoli, and fresh fruit. That's great. Thanks, Heidi, for being here today. Such a pleasure. So we're going to talk about media literacy. Um, I was interviewing Heidi for a Point Magazine article a while back, and she used this phrase, and I just thought it was so brilliant, and it's, it's really entered our zeitgeist currently. So we all need our media literacy to be in tip-top shape these days. So um, when we're talking about nutrition... Let's start at the beginning. Let's talk with, let's look at like nutrition headlines. Um, they're designed to pique our interest and draw us in, but what are some of the dangers that we need to beware of? Well, to begin with, I think we all get bombarded with so much information and recognize that the flip of that, those people are trying to get our attention, do what they can mm-hmm. so that we read their articles, so that we click on that you know, to follow that trail. And um, and in order to do that, there are very specific marketing techniques that are utilized mm-hmm. to get our attention. So sensationalism, yeah, right? Exaggerated claims, the, the list, you know, they do these three things. Yeah. If, and if really, let's face it, if it was that easy, we would <laughs> right. Right? Right. We, we would never them. need to click them again because right. we wouldn't already know. But it's never that easy. So do these three things or never eat those five foods. Yeah. Um, are all headlines that don't really reflect the complexity of yeah. what it takes to eat well, right? To, yeah. For whatever it is, for whether it's for whether it's to prevent something, to um, deal with an injury, to get, prevent cancer, exactly. Like or it's, think it's, better. It's, it's really outrageous what yeah. some of these um, headlines really claim, yeah. and they also take they also make conclusions. From articles or science that may be very legit, but the conclusion that's in the headline, not of the article itself, not of the actual white paper research article, but of the popular Mm -hmm. um, take home, can be so diluted from what the actual study says that it's an injustice. Truly, to the to the researchers that have devoted their their livelihoods and their life's work to to the study of whatever the topic is. You know, one thing when I studied science, I really came to appreciate the caution with which science makes proclamations. You know, it's possible that perhaps this food enhances this or that, and then by the time it gets to the me- the media, you know, clickbait, it's just. This cures cancer. Yeah, it's like many steps have been eliminated there. Exactly. Yes, and and one study, you know, as I was looking through this, that was brought up, um, I thought it was a great example where it was uh, drinking a glass of wine is better than an hour of exercise. Right. Right. 
know, and when you trace that back, it was it was about looking at reversible, which is a which is a nutrient that that is in wine, but it was in a pill form, and it was you know so far and it was in mice, right? You know, not people, and it was so it was such the early stages of looking at a particular nutrient that was isolated to begin with. So it's not the way we would, and in such large doses, it could never make that jump to what that headline and conclusion was. And even the researcher was aghast that that's what the headline ended up to be. Right. That's a great example. And also an example of sort of the oversimplification and universality. Like in my own life, sometimes it's right to exercise for an hour and sometimes it's right to drink a glass of wine. Like there is no universality of like, it's always better to have a glass of wine. Right, no, that's true, but also they're just completely different things. Like, why would you think that drinking something, no matter, even if we were talking about the thing that could be the best thing, which again, nothing is one of the best thing, but drinking something has nothing to do with exercise physiology and the, the benefits you get with with exercise, whether it's 10 minutes or 20 minutes or an hour, like, tuning into what's right for your body, a whole right. different thing. Right. But there are changes that happen in our physiology from exercise that are that are universally beneficial, Right. right? Which doesn't mean that if you're injured, you should be doing it. It doesn't mean that, you know, again, it's, it, it, there's an individualization that goes on with exercise. But exercise has very, and different exercise, strength training versus stretching versus cardiovascular. There are different aspects to exercise that are very, very beneficial for many, many, many different things. Right. And, and that is separate than what you right. eat or drink. Right. right, like right. it's not one. First of all, it's right. not one or, or one, the other. It's not one or the other. So that in and of itself is just a false thing to like compare these two very separate things. Right, it'd be like a headline saying, "Playing with puppy dogs is better than reading a book." Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hello. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. Um, and then I think other things that go on is when we look at science is mm-hmm. just, you know, somebody makes a claim. Mm-hmm. It's you know like if I said. I said that um, it's my, my aunt smoked cigarettes until she was 93 years old. Yeah. So clearly smoking cigarettes is good for you. Right, right. Yeah, that's anecdote versus evidence. That's a so, study of one. That's a study of it's one. It's not very so, strong. So it's, yeah. it, it is true that did happen, right. but that certainly does not make that correct for everybody. Right. And I think, that, I think that dancers in particular, athletes in particular, um, are susceptible to those because when you see someone who's successful in a field you care so much about and are devoting your life to, mm-hmm. you want to know everything they did to be successful. Yeah. As if if you could do what they did, you would be as successful as they are. Yes. When in fact, we are all individual, and doing what they did would not guarantee my success. That doesn't mean we can't learn from them, we can't, we can't get some ideas, but that doesn't make it fact that because they did that, mm-hmm. that is why they are mm-hmm. successful. They're successful because of a lot of things, yeah, including genetics, including including their training study hours, and training yeah. and and rest, both training hours yeah. and rest and body build and you know there's just so many, so mm-hmm. many, so many social factors. support. So you yeah. can't you can't identify one thing, even if they identify one thing within themselves. That doesn't mean that one thing would apply to you. Right. That kind of takes us down to the next step below the headline, which is the byline. And I think one thing with nutrition is everyone's an expert, right? Everyone eats food, so everybody has (laughs) ideas. And so, um, yeah, like a dancer might read that their role model as a dancer, you know, writes, writes a blog about what she loves to eat 
after a performance yeah. or before a performance and you know that's great but is she an expert and how important is it that you get your nutrition information from an expert I think again it's always wonderful to get ideas and yeah. we are curious to get mm -hmm. peeks into other people's lives and mm -hmm. people who are successful uh, and and recognizing though also that same article on that person with that reveal could have been very different when they were 20 versus when they mm -hmm. were 25 versus when they were 28 versus when they were 31 mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. what their patterns are what's going on in their life what their access is what their monetary you know uh, um, abilities are in terms yeah. of like there's so many things into that and it doesn't mean that it can be applied to more than that one person so that you know when we have a mommy blogger or we have a a dancer who who I will never take away someone's own experience of themselves yeah but as as a science-based practitioner I'm always going to look to the science and, and numerous studies not just mm -hmm. one that will t that guide the recommendations I make so when I make a recommendation although I try to individualize it to your preferences your lifestyle your situation mm -hmm. it's coming from a place where this was not just someone's opinion mm -hmm. there were studies done that I can actually quote and show you if that's what you really needed yeah right but it's based on you know um, my education to look at these studies evaluate the strength of the studies and understand that the conclusions they make are are um, based on outcomes that mm -hmm. support the recommendation I'm making and it's for a number of people so exactly. we talk about that N, which is really like what's the strength of the study and when yeah. it's one person it's not as strong as if it's five, and it's not as strong as if it's two thousand. Yeah. And often in our field, and with athletes, because you're talking about elite, the N is never that strong mm -hmm. because small changes can make a big difference. Right. Um, and so, so it's it's it is true that the science behind some of the things in nutrition for elite athletes tend not to be as strong as the ones that we know for general populations. Yes. Um, but, but dancers are also are both part of the general population and specific to their own. Mm -hmm. In other words, if we need if everybody needs calcium right. for strong bones, they might they too. But the amount they may need or what they do that interferes with that or how it applies in their life might be be tweaked. But the point is you really want to be sure it's based on more than just an N of one. Yes. One person's experience of themselves. An anecdote. Yeah. An anecdote. Yeah, like, so science is looking at a lot of times, like, what's, what's appropriate for the large bulk of people in the middle? Some people are at this extreme, some people are at that extreme. The study is going to look at, like, that normal curve. So you're saying it's dancers or elite athletes, they are kind of outliers. They're sort of different. So there's the flip of that, uh -huh. which is also I might see dancers who are, who are so into being conscientious about how they eat they take a public health message like low, lower your sodium and apply right. it to them. Right. But that message for for that public health message is really for people who have um, a history of hypertension, are um, most likely sedentary, yes. are often older or of a particular ethnic background or race, and they're applying it to them as a young, active, fit right. Right. individual. And so they're sweating, they're losing sodium in their sweat. They don't need to be low sodium. In fact, it would be counterproductive in their life. Perfect so example. that public health message, which is valid with lots of science behind it, still doesn't apply to them right. as, as, an athlete, as an artistic athlete. Great. 
Great. Right. Or we might see something but, similar with fat level. Most of America yeah. needs to lower their fat levels. But if you're All a dancer who's been super like, conscientious of that and you have a very aerobic lifestyle and you're, you're using a lot of fats in your energy system and stuff, so you might, yeah, you need a little more olive oil on your salad or you need a little more avocado in your sandwich. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I see. Dietary fat level. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, your your whole caloric level is higher. Yeah. So again, my dancers who are um, surrounded by maybe I see this more in let's say high school dancers who mm-hmm. are who are sitting at the table with other uh, their peers who are not so active and fit, and they might need more. But everyone's in this diet mentality. Yes. Um, and so they're they're kind of following suit. So so sort of back to the science. The the flip of what we were just saying that idea about sodium and public health message is also sometimes when there is science, but they don't trace it back. Mm -hmm. So let's say there is something being promoted as being for lean mass, promoting lean mass gain. Okay. And it says studies, you know, the studies reveal that, but nobody ever bothers to actually look at those studies. Right. And the challenge is that study is done, again, on let's say a geriatric population of of individuals who are malnourished and living in a nursing home. Uh-huh. And they gave them some supplement that helped them build lean mass. What does that have to do with, again, a young, healthy, fit dancer? Like, that's such a different population. That study's results don't apply to me as this dancer. Right. So it's, it's tricky because, and that's when it gets overwhelming and people start becoming distrustful. Right. But you want to look at the source. You want to look at who's saying it. You want to look at who's selling it. Yes. Um, and and why. And when it's an exaggerated claim, sensationalized, when it's using, you know, these key words to sort of lure you in, and it seems too good to be true, mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, I think it's sort of like you're, you're saying. It's um, Sometimes we just have to face the fact that it's complicated. Well, I think when it's, it's hard and conclusive and extreme. Yeah. Really. It's, you know, simple is eat more fruits and vegetables. Uh-huh. You know, simple right. is whole grains That's are true. They're good messages. Simple are, right. like, those right. are, they're, they're somewhat watered down because we may forget why the fiber is important and what right. are the different phytonutrients in the fruits and vegetables that make them important to have or, you know, how protein does help with all of, you know, with, with the immune system and lean, like there's all these different reasons. Those are very simple messages, but when they're extreme messages, like here are the five best foods or never eat these six foods. These six foods will kill you. Or this will cure something. Right. Right. Like again, you know, there are a lot of people walking around eating those foods. They're not dead. So, you know, what do you mean it will kill you? It's It's just, it's like, you know, we, it's, it, you know, there's certainly foods that are more or less nutritious. Right. But to say that it's going to kill you, it, that's a, it's like a scare tactic. Mm-hmm. And, and intuitively, you must know. But then you get overridden by, I'm going to believe the science. If it tells mm-hmm. me, I want to mm-hmm. know. I don't mm-hmm. want to do anything that's bad for me. Mm-hmm. So if it's telling me not to eat it, it's simple mm-hmm. enough for me to just not eat that. Right. But we can walk around becoming more and more and more and more restrictive. And... Um, Again, that's just not really the way our bodies work, nutrition works, the complexity of, mm-hmm. of how we process things. Um, so I'd be skeptical of those kind of headlines. Yeah, and even though the message to eat more fruits and vegetables is simple, it's also not curative. Well, I mean, I do think there, 
you know, we're not going to sound like those headlines. Certainly there is research to support certain patterns, like a Mediterranean-style mm-hmm. diet. Mm-hmm. There's certain patterns of eating, eating and certain um, minimum sort of categories of food. Uh, you know, again, so we know, you know, having fish once a week even mm-hmm. is a beneficial thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, but if you, but the flip isn't true that if you don't, you will then die five right. years earlier, right. right? I mean, there, there are, we certainly know there are, there are, you know, sort of food as medicine, the idea that there are nutrients in food that help to support our well-being. Yeah. Um, and again, so there are patterns of eating and, and, and certainly food groups and nutrients in those different food groups that provide mm-hmm. our bodies with different things. And that's why we need them. Like there's right. a reason for that. So. Clearly, I believe in in the foods sort in foods power to help us, but that's different than extreme claims that there's any one food. I mean, mm-hmm, nature's pretty mm-hmm. amazing, right? You need right. vitamin C, and you don't like oranges. Well, have a red pepper. Have it's broccoli. Have a water. Yeah. yeah, and have you know, it's in tomatoes. It's in potatoes. It's, yeah. There's a lot of different foods. Right. So you, there's there's no one food that you yeah. have to include. There may be a nutrient that your body needs, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of different ways to get that nutrient. Right. Right. So it's it's just taking, it's it's really kind of using scare tactics mm-hmm. to get you to believe something that may or may not be true. Yeah, yeah. And I, I thought there was this like really great quote, um, and and I don't know who who I don't really know this person, but I loved her quote, and I do want to give her credit for it. The the sibing. Uh-huh. And she said, new ideas shouldn't cause alarm, they should cause investigation. That's great. Right, so the idea that if you have one study with a conclusion, regardless of what the conclusion is, positive right. or negative, it, one study does not a definitive answer make. It means, okay, now let's really look at this and decide, you know, can this be validated, this mm-hmm. can be repeated. I mean, in science, part of the, part of the litmus test is to be able to say it, it's Repeatable. Right. Yeah. You can replicate this. Yeah. And it will, the same outcome will happen. Yeah. And if you can't, then there was maybe something wrong in that first study. Mm-hmm. The lab assistant spilled the test, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and this idea of correlation versus causation and the conclusions yeah. we make, the way the study is designed. And, you know, that's more than most people want to, but it is part of critical thinking. Right. Is it? Is it... Um, double blind, placebo controlled, meaning in the meaning that even the the people who are um, conducting the research doesn't know who is getting what, mm-hmm. um, and the people who are receiving it nobody knows if they're getting the placebo or not. Which is one of the reasons why nutrition studies are particularly difficult mm-hmm. because there's so many different factors to control yeah. for, um, and so and even taking out isolated nutrients is very different than eating the way we eat, which is all of these different foods yeah. combined. Yeah. That's that complexity again. Yep. So if you see one study that says don't eat this, it shouldn't, in your quote, cause alarm. It should cause not just the scientists to say, well, we need to do another study to delve into this deeper and look at it more specifically, but also for the reader to say, hmm, that's interesting. It doesn't mean I need to eat those or I'm going to die of... Right, the flip is not true. Yeah. 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 Great. Um, so we were talking about like articles, but then there's also sort of media in terms of like what goes on the box and how we are persuaded by phrases like 
um, all natural all or natural. organic right. or could you take like us through some of those organic sugar yeah. Yeah. organic jelly should beans. I buy organic like, sugar yeah, yeah. does it matter <laughs> tell me so let's let's look at a couple of those types so of so those are sort of the catchphrases that I think kind of the buzzwords mm-hmm. that get our attention mm-hmm. and that could potentially have meaning but often don't have much meaning or certainly meaning is um, often misinterpreted uh-huh um, so superfoods, you know, yeah. you call it a superfood, everyone wants it. Yep. You can jack and the I, price up $2 you can, if you call it a superfood. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and I think, uh, when we were talking, I gave this example, I, I often do morning TV and there was one show that called me the day before and said, look, we really want you on tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. What, you know, what's the it's a quick turnaround, but I'll, I'll get it together. Like, we really want you to bring on a new superfood we've never heard of before. <laughs> And like, sure, I'm just going to fly to the Amazon and yeah. I'll be back by tomorrow morning with right. something you've never heard Some of, no one's ever heard of. Some little fruit that grows in the deep jungles of Brazil. Exactly. <laughs> That's no. And, you know, this idea that, um, that it has to be exotic and different in order to be good. Like right. that a Florida orange, which has all of these nutrients in it, somehow isn't. The as same value as something that's flown in from, you know, and, and, and talking about, talk yeah. about carbon footprint. Like, we, you know, if you want to talk about that. So what is, so we, you know, what do you want to focus on? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it gets very, it does, it feels very overwhelming. It gets very complicated depending on what you're looking at. So if I'm just looking at the nutrition, yeah, it doesn't have to be a superfood. Right. It has to be. What is it has to be good enough for me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what about organic? Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I feel like we're getting into other areas yeah. of um, of both political and yeah, right. So, but all, so as we as it relates to here in terms of just science and claims and what catches people's attention. Yeah, there's this idea that if it's organic, it is healthier for you, mm-hmm. and that certainly is not necessarily true at all yeah um there are other political reasons that you might care and there's the dirty dozen and there's other but in terms of just packaged food if it is organic it is not an organic cookie is not more nutritious for you than a cookie that's not organic Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. organic jelly bean right Mm -hmm. and in terms of fresh fruits and vegetables um for the majority of americans it's not whether it is organic or not it's that most people aren't eating enough of it Right. So, th- those claims that d- and it, and it is more expensive now. Again, I'm not getting into the issue of whether you do or don't want to go organic, mm-hmm. um, because there might be lots of other lots other reasons. things. That, right. But from but a nutrition standpoint, yeah. um, that don't get hung up on that, especially for artists who don't have, are, a, lot don't have a lot of money. Exactly. So, so, I mean, I think, yeah, that's a real issue for dancers. Um, and a lot of these things are put on the box so that they can increase the price. And so, yeah, we need to be a bit more um, critical and literate about how important those labels are. Um, is it worth going into debt for it? Or is a conventionally grown whatever equal at this time in your life to an organically grown potato um, yeah, and that and that becomes like you said a balance of assessing your nutritional needs and your values and your pocketbook and lots of different things, but to not just fall into that trap. I think it is difficult to to um, parse out all of these different issues because we can certainly get into a whole other maybe for another yeah uh, podcast, right exactly another episode. you know about the moralizing of food mm-hmm. and, and it's not a moral issue right and, and so there are people you know this happens all the time as nutritionists just 
you could talk to five different nutritionists and get five different responses. Someone might be saying, you absolutely, you have to be eating organic and you, that's not where I come from. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to guilt you into how you eat. Yeah. I don't think there should be shame around your food choices. I don't care if you eat a Twinkie. Um, I only care if, if you're not getting the, nutri- the other nutrients you need mm-hmm. in terms of your well-being and, you know, how much, how often, when kind of things. Yeah. So, um, you know, some... The, the onslaught, I think, of messaging. Yeah. And I think, you know, we can talk about the science and is this the strength of the study and is it epidemiological or is it double-blind control mm-hmm. or if is it, you know, causation versus correlation and all of that, which is great from a critical thinking perspective. But I think the take-home really for... Um, for us is to just recognize how we're bombarded with messages yeah. and we don't have to own them all. We don't have to internalize them. We don't have to take them on. Mm-hmm. Um, we could take a breather that you really want to look at the source mm-hmm. um, of where that information is coming from. And if it seems extreme to really get more than one opinion. Yeah. And on, on you know, before you decide to go down a road of really changing your, your, Lifestyle, really, you know, you're where you're putting your money, how the effort you're making. Like, it hurts my heart when I see dancers invest a lot of money or become incredibly restrictive mm-hmm. to the point of even some isolation or not being able mm-hmm. to socialize because I think that's the way it has to be in order for them to perform their best. Yeah. When in fact, it's not true. I want to see you put your effort toward in, in directions that really will, will help you. Yeah, and so you know, again, um not just taking on popular messages. That's great. An important and different issue, but it mm-hmm. is true that, you know, diet behavior, as much as we think that it's positive, it's absolutely correlated as really a gateway toward disordered eating, that as we start to really diet and look at body as our, you know, body dissatisfaction was, mm-hmm. was one of the greatest predictors mm-hmm. for developing an eating disorder. Yeah. Um, and so really being careful with, and I can't tell you how many dancers I've talked to who say, well, I used to be able, before I started all of this, I used to sort of be able to eat whatever I want. Uh-huh. And they're so far away from that. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to get back to that. They're, they've become so hyper yeah. vigilant sort of. Yeah. And um, have lost their own sense of intuitive eating, which is way more to do with just, you know, portion size and... When I'm when you're hungry, hungry when I you're full, full and mm-hmm. what am I in the today? I want crunchy. Tomorrow I want creamy. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like a sandwich. Now I feel like a salad. And you know they're they're eating because of all these shoulds, yeah. Um, not because of what tastes good and is pleasurable, along with health and well being. Like yeah. it's never again. You don't have to ignore knowledge that you've gained about what is good and healthy and serves you, but you don't have to ignore either what tastes good, feels good, and is pleasurable. Mm-hmm. There's an integration. So it's it's not a small thing to become media literate um, in terms of the implications on your health and well-being because without, I think, that critical thinking toward what messages you want to accept, take in, and, and follow, um, it can really take you down a, a, a dangerous road that has serious implications. Yeah. Is there anything in particular on this topic that you feel like you need to touch on that we haven't. This idea of media literacy, and, and, I, and I think dancers know this, I mean, I think first of all, we're all, we are all products both of our culture mm-hmm. and then also of our particular field, like mm-hmm. goal in life. So 
the dancers I work with are first females and males within our culture, which have its own set of expectations. Mm -hmm. And then some are exaggerated or or left by the wayside because it doesn't apply to me. I'm a dancer. I'm not that. Or I'm also a dancer. So it's Uh magnified. Right. And um, so I think that we're susceptible Mm -hmm. to other marketing trends as well. So the, there's right. media literacy specific to sort of this idea of, of studying the science, mm-hmm. but there's also media literacy as it relates to what pictures we look at, mm-hmm. you know, airbrushing that goes on, yeah. lighting, coloring, music, colors, you know, all of that that is manipulated to get us to buy things and yes. to think a certain way and to... Um, to actually manipulate us into buying. I mean, it right. is. It's, that's what it is about. Right. Right. And I think we have to be very um, savvy mm-hmm. to reject some of those those um, images or the way in which those images are portrayed in order to find our own truths, mm-hmm. in order to stop comparing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a difference between learning and comparing, yeah. right? And so it's great to learn, but the comparison thing really never works never serves us well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as opposed to really finding out what's our truths for our body, yeah. for our situation, for where we are to improve and get better. We all want to refine our craft, you know, whether it's me in, in nutrition education mm-hmm. or one of my, um, you know, clients in their work to be the best dancer they can be. Yeah. And, and that refinement is beautiful, right? It's, it's what we strive for. Right. But that's, excellence. Yeah. Right, excellence. That's great. But, but the comparison thing that makes us susceptible is not great. Yeah. It takes us further away from what our goals are. Great. Um, is there anything else that you want to leave us with in terms of the work you do with dancers or anything you want to say about the work you do teaching dancers about nutrition? Um, well, it's a, I mean, I think, I think that you know, my model of coming from a sports nutrition background and applying it to the artist as athlete and really helping them to view food as fuel and nourishment, mm-hmm. not something to be afraid of, to be shied away from, to learn how to eat, to manage their weight and their energy and their efforts and their strength and their power mm-hmm. um, versus diet to yeah. do that is, is really the crux of um, sort of how I approach nutrition. And part of that is is being a savvy consumer mm-hmm. um, and, and this idea of media literacy. Great. Thank you so much, Heidi. Thank you. On behalf of Marissa and myself, I, Ellie Kushner, want to say thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on this episode of Dance Well Podcast. Like what you hear? Go to iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud and search Dance Well Podcast to subscribe. You can also view all of our episodes and learn more about our podcast by visiting www.dancewellpodcast.com. We wouldn't be where we are without generous contributions from our listeners. Your contributions help pay for our SoundCloud membership, website fees, and upgrades, and our recording technology. If you would like to make a contribution to DanceWell, please follow the link in the description of this podcast to visit our GoFundMe page. We thank you in advance for your support, and lastly, if you have questions or want to get in touch, email us at dancewellpodcast at gmail.com. Bye!